homies, quick announcement before we get started. I just wanted to give a shout out for anyone who may have missed it. Roshane and I had the pleasure of being invited to talk to the ladies of Spooky Tuesday podcast. So we were on their episode from last week. Uh, we got to discuss the vampire horror cowboy romance film from the 80s near dark and we had such a blast breaking that movie down with them if you guys would like to hear our thoughts on everything that goes into making a movie that is touching on such specific genres then please 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 go give that episode a listen it is available wherever you listen to your podcast and like i said that is spooky tuesday podcast please go check it out uh we really really hope that you guys enjoyed it because we really enjoyed recording with them and talking to them about that movie so yeah that's a little extra episode for you guys if you haven't listened, uh, but let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into another spooky movie. And this time, I've got the power. <laughs> it's mine. It's my turn. Yes, it is. I'm and a star. <laughs> She's a star. And boy, are you abusing your power yet again, Erica. Uh, yeah. It's been a real treat since we've switched to this format, for me specifically, um, because I have abused my power twice. I got three movies in one last time, and this time I picked a movie that I knew we would probably not cover if I did not get full veto power and there was no other person to say no. <laughs> oh, you are absolutely true. I was going to fight tooth and nail and never cover this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. We wouldn't have been touching this movie with a 10-foot pole if, if it wasn't for me. If it wasn't for me and my incessant need to talk about it. I have been waiting. Honestly, when we decided to switch this format, I was mm. like... I already know I got something right in the forefront of my mind I want to talk about. But obviously other things came up. Uh, Black History Month, which we are so sad about ending as always. Yeah. But if anything can can soothe that sting for me, it was knowing that on the other side of February, I had this locked and loaded. <laughs> That's so, so excited. true. You already knew, like, from the beginning of the year, you had this already planned out um, yeah which is which is kind of in line though with this month because i do feel like this is the month of schemes uh because both mm. of us have been plotting for our picks this month um but not just that we we across the board we have some cool stuff this month but like, yeah but specifically this i think very much <laughs> rubbing my hands menacingly um yeah that's true though march is going to be a kind of a cracking month uh it's we've got some good shit lined up for you guys this month which yeah. which is also it, already planned out which is kind of new for us 
unheard of. <laughs> unheard of. Never have we had a whole month plan. Well, besides Outside of like October. the marathons and stuff. In yeah, October. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even like Black History Month, we don't plan that out ahead of time. We wait until we're in the month and then we choose what movies we want to talk about. This month we have dates we have names we have movies we have everything ready and lined up to go because it is uh, a month that is pretty full to the brim <laughs> with uh with plans and with things so yeah we hope you guys are excited for it though because we are excited for it um and very much looking forward to everything we have planned for you guys this month but i waited until February is over so that I could scream excitedly into the void and let everybody know, but especially Roche know, that we were going to be covering Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not the other one, 2022. Let's be clear, <laughs> 2022. Yay. Woo. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. No, wait. Honestly, jokes aside, though, I'm kind of excited to talk about this movie because yeah. I feel like there have been a lot of conversations about this movie. I feel like I've talked in passing to people about this movie, but you will be the first person that I will in length really be discussing this movie with. And I think mm -hmm. that's important because if people have listened to our year in review, y'all already know I have issues with this movie. Yeah. However, perhaps talking it out might change the way that I'm thinking, you know? It wouldn't be the first time that talking it out has helped us get a better understanding of the why we feel a certain way mm -hmm. towards a movie um, or maybe made us sway us a little bit in the opposite direction. Um, yeah, I've been really wanting to talk about this movie. I've said my general thoughts on it, as have you, but we've never died, like did a deep dive into the plot. Now, if you listen to our if you watch our streams on Monday on Twitch every monday come check us out <laughs> if you watch those you have heard me go on a rant about a specific aspect of this movie maybe a couple of times i will once again will we will be going on that rant again today but there will be other details that we will be we will be talking about as well um but no i'm excited to talk about this movie too i've been wanting to dive into this movie i only needed one person to give me the green light <laughs> i only needed one homie to say i'd love to hear you guys talk about that movie and i was like you really didn't have to say it you could have said less and i would have <laughs> said okay and but because you said you want to hear it we're doing it like here's my signature you can quote me on that basically <laughs> this what one's I, for you this one's for you is basically what i said um so yeah we are going to be diving into it for anybody who is maybe feeling some type of way, scratching their brow, wondering why y'all skip 1974. You're right. <laughs> You're not wrong. We've never covered the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, that is one, however, that is kind of a a must. Like, it's a gimme. We're yeah. going to cover it. Uh, that is not a question whether we'll be covering that or not. We will. Um, but I feel like in the terms of things that I've been itching to talk about, because this one is a little bit more divisive, I've wanted to discuss this one more than the 1974 one, um, just because there's so many thoughts about this one. And 
we did discuss potentially doing like a split episode where we cover both in one, but the original deserves its own episode because there's so much to discuss about that. Yeah, it just so didn't true. make it, it didn't make sense. And even with this one, I feel like we're gonna have some long discussions about stuff. It just didn't make sense to try and cut down both conversations and try and put them together because if we're being completely honest, they're really different. Yeah. So that's true. Nah, you it didn't even right. need to be. It didn't even need to be all that. So we will cover the original. Don't you worry. But first things first. We're back in 2022. Are you surprised? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. We just can't stop. We can't stop. <laughs> what do you want us to say? We we're we're obsessed apparently. Uh, but before we get into the deep dive, mm-hmm. we got to talk about the scare scale. That's right. So Roshane. Five is the scariest it could be. One is not scary, not even a little bit. What is what is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 doing? I'm going to give it a three and a half on the scare scale, uh, which I'm like, I'm a little wishy-washy on because I almost want to give it a four, um, mostly for gore. I think a lot of my scare factor right now is for gore and brutality because like if that's not your thing, this movie's going to wreck you. Like, it is going to lay you out because it does get very gory and it does get very bloody. And there are quite a few moments of some pretty good tension um, reminiscent of of the OG Texas Chainsaw Massacre that I do think play out pretty well. Um, so I think for your average horror viewer, this one's got enough scare factor to uh, give it some points. So three and a half out of five for me. Okay. I'll give this one a three out of five. Um, Yeah, it's got some scary moments. I am just a little bit of a sucker for Leatherface in general is just scary to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So Texas Chainsaw Massacre's across the board always have a little bit of an edge up um, uh, on other horror movies just because it does scare me. But yeah, there are some good scenes that kind of fall into that standard horror scares but they're they're done as they should be done so i do think that they are effectively scary i don't think this movie is as scary as it could be i think particularly the latter half gets a little bit wacky in some circumstances and so it doesn't feel as scary as it feels kind of like oh this is gore but this is kind of like fun gore Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i think that kind of brings it down for me so that's why it's like right in the middle for me three out of five okay i feel that but without further ado let's uh make erica's day and hop right into this one homies so we're entering into spoiler territory so you have been warned but today we are talking about texas chainsaw massacre 2022 This movie was directed by David Blue Garcia, written by Chris Thomas Delvin, Fetty Alvarez, and Rodo Segoyas, starring Sarah Larkin as Melody, Elsie Fisher as Lila, Jacob Lattimore as Dante, Nell Hudson as Ruth, or Dante's partner, and Mark Burnham as Leatherface. A group of young entrepreneurs arrive in Harlow, Texas, with plans to set up shop and renovate the town. But, after a property dispute ends in the death of an elderly resident, our group 
find themselves on the receiving end of a skin-wearing, chainsaw-wielding maniac's wrath. Insert Massacre Memorabilia, Sunflower Slaughters, and the last stop for a party bus here. Our film concludes with Mel and her sister struggling to survive against Leatherface, and one lone survivor returning to Harlow to settle their score. Also, try anything and you're canceled, bro. Roll credits. Okay. Roshane. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely salivating over here to know <laughs> what is in your notebook. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So the first thing I have here is, ah, yes, the only thing stronger than Leatherface, capitalism. Um, in regards <laughs> to the fact that, one, we get the image in the beginning of, like, they're telling the story of what happened in the original Texas Chainsaw, since this mm-hmm. does, this is... As far as we're concerned in this film, canically, the second film. Like, this is such a weird right. way to say that. This movie comes after the first movie. Um, and so the event, everything that happened in those in that movie is canon. Um, but now we are 48 years in the future. Um, the story has become basically legend or mythos at this point, And Leatherface was never captured. Mm-hmm. However... You can still see the residual effects of what that's had on the town, i.e. they're selling merch, baby. We got Texas Mm -hmm. Chainsaw merch. And I actually didn't notice that um, the first time I watched this film, this being my second time watching it now. Um, I don't know why. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention because it does come back later. Like we do use this item later on, Um, but it didn't like register to me. Oh, this gas station is selling merchandise off the murder of these poor innocent people. Well, but you think about it, it's that probably put this small Texas town on the map. True. This horrible event, yeah. But you know, as is true for any true crime situation, a lot of places get known for the bad things that happen there, especially Mm -hmm. if it's a very small town that you would have otherwise never heard of. Yeah. If if something true. crazy happens there, then you as shitty as it is, that could spike up tourism cuz people probably would want to come and like check the farm out mm-hmm. and like drive by and see ooh, this is this is where it happened. So, it's shitty. It's shitty and that kind of shit shouldn't happen, but it does. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But yeah, d- this whole Texas Chainsaw Massacre is now yeah, we've got true crime documentaries being being made about it mm-hmm. and being <laughs> being blasted in this gas station. And I just couldn't help but think, though, like, where have I seen this before? This whole notion of, like, an original film happened, all of those events are canon, and then some, like, true crime or something goes digging some stuff mm-hmm. up to find information. It just, it's ringing a bell. I don't know. I feel like I've seen something recently that has done something similar. um, And it's like the killer, uh, the killer, um, (laughs) Mikel, Michelle, Michelle Mayers. Mikel Mayers. (laughs) Mikel Mayers. (laughs) Yeah. It's, 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 it's Halloween 2018. It really is. It really is. There's a lot of elements that 
feel very much following in that same exact vein. Mm-hmm. So it's fresh. It's it's realistic that that would happen. Right. But yeah, we we've seen this same idea be played out now with a couple of reboots, remakes, revisitations. Right. Which, right. Right. So so yeah, it, it's very much giving the the documentarians who are investigating michael myers i I just wanted to i just wanted to get that elephant out of the room from the from the jump here because like that was one of the biggest things that i heard when this movie came out were just so many people being like this is the halloween cash grab just attached to texas chainsaw and i don't i think there is some merit to that i do i do think that they were pulling from things that they thought were successful from halloween and Mm -hmm. using some of those elements in this but on a second watch, I will say I do think this movie does some unique things that are unique to it um, that, um, you know, you like or you don't like. But I feel like objectively are different enough from the Halloween remake that it kind of stands on its own. Um, but they also right. do some stuff that is damn near identical. And I'm sure we'll talk about it as we go deeper in. Oh, for sure. We will. Oh, we will. But <laughs> Yeah, we we meet our main group right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the first person that we meet is Lila. True. And Lila is does end up becoming our main protagonist in a way. I do feel like this movie gets split between Lila and Mel mm-hmm. in a different way than other Texas Chainsaws. I feel like it becomes very clear who our final girl is going to be or who our main focus is going to be mm-hmm. um this one gets split much because i will say for the majority of the time it does feel like mel is gearing up to be our final girl right and then we get kind of a bait and switch situation i mean not really because she she is almost she is she's a fun 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 a girl like she almost got to the l <laughs> she's been a girl, <laughs> she, she <fit> a girl. <laughs> Because she almost got there and then didn't. but And so then that leaves Lila as the true final girl. Right. But we have a sibling relationship here between Mel and Lila. And if any of you guys know me, then one thing I've said it before in other episodes, I'm a sucker for a sibling relationship in a movie. However, mm-hmm. weirdly enough, I don't quite feel that way in this one. This, mo- this sibling re- dynamic does not get to me as much as other ones have weirdly i i i do as the movie goes on there are a few moments with mel towards lila that i'm like oh that that like kind of warms my heart a little mm-hmm. bit i don't feel the, like the reciprocation of that if that makes sense i mean i i hear you there but part of me almost wants to think that that's from the relationship that's established between them from the get because like right with mel and lila it really feels more just like mel's running shit and for a Mm -hmm. long time lila's just kind of the sidekick just kind of like coming along like she's she's the younger sibling that needs to listen to everything that mel's saying to a like grading degree where there were several parts of this movie where i'm like mel leave her alone like shut up let her live her life but i think because of that there is room for growth for Mel where like you start the movie with her just kind of ordering Lila around. But then by the end, you can see all the different ways that she actually does care about her sister. Mm -hmm. So I do think that there's a journey there. Um, But I think it's harder for Lila because a lot of it's just her 
reacting or reciprocating the energy that Mel is sending her way. A lot of which is you stay here, don't do anything. Or why are you talking right. to that person? Or why are your shoes it's, that color? Like, yeah, get off her case. Oh my God. It's stifling. Mel has taken it upon herself to decide that she needs to protect Lila. Um, but Lila does not need that kind of love from Mel. She needs a different kind of like, because Lila has been through a traumatic experience. We find out that she was involved in a school shooting, mm -hmm. and she is one of the few, if not only, survivors who actually got shot and survived. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that she is obviously still dealing with. But you can see that she harbors a lot of guilt, like a lot of survivor's guilt mm -hmm. about what happened. And she kind of needs to work through that and decide what she wants to do for herself. But rather than being allotted that time to do so, Mel is deciding what she needs to do for her yeah. and deciding what her future is going to be and not giving Lila the opportunity to kind of grow on her own. And that is what is frustrating. Yeah, definitely with Mel from from the jump is there's obviously this is obviously not a it maybe at one point it was a good relationship, but at the moment it, it's very strained. Yeah, I feel that. And also, yo, okay. Now I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna preface this with I do think Sarah Yarkin did a great job in the role. However, I could not stand Mel. Yes, I am in the camp of people that just could not stand this character. Um, that's a very popular camp, I think. <laughs> I think you're in the majority there. I think, I think hey, a lot of people probably don't like it. Call it what you want to call it, but <laughs> Mel is insufferable for so much of yeah. this film. Um, I do think once things start ramping up and she's more like in her survival mode, it gets better. Um, yes. But this whole like... I uh, like I'm the outspoken Gen Z yada 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 energy that she's giving in the first half. It's just uh, I could not stand it. It's mostly because like some of it felt real, but a majority of it felt just very much like what someone would represent this person as. It felt more like a caricature or a representation of what this person would be like. Um, and less like an actual fully fleshed out person. Um, and that was just, it was just so annoying. Like every time, every time right. she would say anything, I'm like, Mel, shut up. Stop talking. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Mel, I'd love it if you just took a vow of silence <laughs> right now. <laughs> what if we did it? What if both of us did it? But then I start, I stopped mm -hmm. and you kept going. Yeah. It, I think this movie is trying to take on a satirical tone at times, but it's not always successfully done for me. And because it really feels like we don't ever fall far enough one way or the other, we really straddle a line. Mm -hmm. And that to me feels um, strange because why would, why are the Gen Z and millennial characters so satirical, but then you have a character like, who was our, who was our maintenance man? Oh, uh, Richter, I believe. Richter. Is you have a, the name. Yeah. You have a character like Richter to me that does not feel like 
feels like a real person. Yeah. And then you have Sally, who is a real person, meant to be a real person. Mm-hmm. At least. You have it's like you got to I feel like you have to decide. Are you going to make all of these characters kind of wacky and over the top? Because we've seen that before in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. We've we've seen that characterized. I mean, even if you go back to the original one with the Sawyer family, they are characters. Mm-hmm. They are they are very specific type of people. And then I feel like in this one, it's like some people are doing the most, mm-hmm. and then other people are because I think even with Dante, Dante kind of he does go a little bit in Mel's direction sometimes. But he even feels a little bit more rooted in reality to me. True. Dante's partner, who's not called by her name at all in the film, <laughs> is just there to be Dante's partner. Um, unfortunately, which is unfortunately unfortunate because Nell Hudson, who plays this character, um, I really like her. She is she I've seen her in Outlander before. Okay. <laughs> um and she's really good in Outlander. She mm-hmm. plays a really good villain. And so I was kind of bummed. I got really excited when I saw her posting about this movie. And I was kind of bummed that she didn't really get to do anything. That's, and that's I didn't, I didn't mind. Yeah, I didn't mind that she got killed first. I actually think her death sequence is the coolest out of that's all what, that's of That's what I was going to say. I was, was going to be like, her sequence was one of my favorites, actually. Yeah. Her sequence is is dope, but just before that, she's really she's inconsequential to <laughs> to the plot. Uh, now, let me ask you something because this is a question that's been kind of bugging me on the second watch, and I'm curious what you think. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that this group is portrayed in a way so that we're not supposed to like them and we're not supposed to root for them? Do you think that that's intentional? Yes, I think that we are not. I think we're supposed to be. Um, f- happy for them to get their comeuppance. Okay, uh, that's what it feels like to me. I think Lila and Mel are the only people that we're really meant to root for. Mel because she does come around and kind of see the error of her ways. Because in- at the end of the day, Mel is, I think, at the root of it, she's a good person who is is leaning so far into the way that she wants things to be that she is almost like foregoing her morals as Mm -hmm. a as a result and i feel like because she comes around we're supposed to root for mel i feel like lilo we're always supposed to root for but i feel like everybody else is meant to be characters that you are not upset to see die because i do think that they are meant to portray gentrification right right cancel culture maybe this idea that just because you have good just because you may stand for good things does not mean you're going about doing those things in the best way or the right way like you can still you know want good things but you you might be willing to bend the rules to do those things, which is also not good. Mm -hmm. Um, And also too, I feel like they're continuing the ideals of Texas Chainsaw. That's always been kind of this class division. Right. And I mean, we see this a lot in movies like this, where it's the city kids that come in and are assholes to the locals. Right. Yeah, because they are because they are in the wrong in this one, which is like it's such an important plot point is like, despite everything else, when 
you look at the straight facts, they were wrong and mm-hmm. like did inadvertently cause the death of that woman. But um, yeah, clearly there was a sequence of events to get to that point. But I feel like when you put that into consideration, along with the fact that like a couple of them are just, in my opinion, insufferable, it does mm-hmm. really feel like the movie is kind of nudging you to really root for Leatherface. Cause that's what I found myself doing for a lot of this second watch is like, Leatherface, go get him. Like I was, I was in his, I was on his bench fucking rooting for him. I was cheerleading Leatherface the entire time. Right. Well, and it's interesting too, because in this movie, we really see a Leatherface that has lost his family and his sense of community. Mm -hmm. And so this is not that same Leatherface we know that is sort of following orders and just kind of backing the family. This is a Leatherface that is hell-bent on revenge. And mm-hmm. and it's so different to see that because, yeah, it is a thing that should not have happened. And had it not happened, this wouldn't even be... A, we wouldn't even be dealing with this right now. Like, <laughs> Leatherface would have kept that chainsaw dusty and rusty mm-hmm. if you guys wouldn't have been so pushy and so sure that you were right and so it's interesting that we get a a, we get a leather face that is really just going through with his revenge plot yeah and there is kind of something fun about that and it it exciting about that and i think that as as the plot device for me isn't as it's it's less scary than when it's like the whole family working right. together for me, but makes it more. So I guess you can just kind of enjoy people getting taken out more in this one because you want to see them get killed. Yeah, it's true. And like it, talking about a different Leatherface too, like we also get this idea of like a docile Leatherface, right? Where he, mm-hmm. if the events of the first movie happen, like he he loses his family and then he goes to this orphanage where this woman takes him in um which would be odd for her to take him in because by the time he's arriving there he's got to be like in his 20s or something like that yeah like mid 20s probably yeah so like typically that's not a standard practice for orphanages but i'm sure given the circumstances for whatever reason they bent the rules for him and not only that but the very few townspeople that are here know him like when he appears on the scene they're like oh that's 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 her boy like they know who he is so that presents the idea that he's just been chilling since the events of the first movie like he's found a new life he put it like you said he put away the chainsaw it's collecting dust like he's just being a guy in this random town and so like that that to me is an interesting take on such a memorable character that a lot of people know Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely different to see Leatherface in this way, and yeah, what just kind of vibing, just kind of living his life. Well, and so the whole idea that our group of characters is doing as they're going to this town, dude. This pl- this idea is it's it's like y'all got like dumb bitchitis for sure because i just think that i just think that this whole idea is quite dumb to say oh there's this very out of the way run downtown we're going to force all of these people whoever's left over mm-hmm. we're going to force them out we're going to keep the buildings as they are 
we're going to put food trucks here and then we're going to try and convince other businesses to build up in this town. Yeah. And 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 I like I really do like that line that Richter what? says where where who is it like Mel who says we're idealistic or we're idealistic individuals who want to build a better world and he's like so a cult. And I'm like <laughs> yeah cuz why are you guys why are you doing this? What? Yeah. Why would I drive 7 all hours the way, all the way out of my way in Texas, bro? To this small, uh, in the dusty alley town, to get some barbecue from your food <laughs> truck. I'm in Texas. I can get barbecue anywhere, True. and I can feel safer, <laughs> safer doing that. Because what is, what are you guys? I just don't quite understand the end goal. I'm like, that is such a gamble. Behold the joys of late stage capitalism. <laughs> oh! Holy shit, babe, this is amazing. So Harlow is a ghost town. Yes, but we have a vision for this place. All it needs is young blood, people like us, tired of the big city, looking for a fresh start. Dante, for what we were paying just to park the food trucks in Austin and get the whole corner over there, that is insane. Our restaurant will be first, and we have to just inspire more people to follow. We will. We definitely will. Oh, this space would be perfect for my art gallery. Yes. Lila, look, we could put a comic book store in here or something cool. Let's. This is a chance for people to start fresh somewhere without the, the violence and the madness. Somewhere safe. Okay, and I mean, seven hours by car? I guess I can say goodbye to my friends forever. Ah, oh, Christ. What is he doing here? Uh, Richter, uh, we spoke on the phone. Yeah. Dante. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, Richter's our, our contractor, Mel. Gave the buildings a facelift. About all I can do in a week. Well, it looks good for the auction. Thank you. You're planning to sell these? Oh, yeah, we will. Mm-hmm. All right. So you guys are what, like a cult? We're the idealistic individuals who want to build a better world yeah that's a cult <laughs> what it's all right not judging just pay me we're good it is it is but i feel like they're they're set out to be these opportunistic characters right like i i can kind of sympathize with the idea of like okay you want to expand your business and then this opportunity presents itself where you can get basically dirt cheap uh, rental space in an area that you can possibly um, convert into something more profitable later on. Like all mm -hmm. that on paper does sound nice. Um, but yeah, I agree in the fact that like there are certain other things that you got to take into consideration, location, distance from other things, like how much of how much clout you actually have, because I don't know if you got several hours of driving worth of clout. Uh, based on the right. number of likes you got on your on your Instagram photo, two thousand likes. He said, "Oh, our post is blowing up. Two thousand likes, baby. I mean, that's a lot of likes, but that's not too like respectfully. <laughs> respectfully, two thousand is not does not a business make. And do you think everybody who liked that is going to come 
come out to your food truck it's a food truck drive it to me <laughs> like i just thought i was i i just thought that that was that that was a little bit ridiculous <laughs> i mean fair enough and it was the wrong choice clearly by the oh, events yeah. of this film but um yeah. yeah it's just they were they were so in the wrong place and like a lot of this felt so avoidable, which I think was a big aversion for me the first time I watched it, was just how avoidable a lot of this movie is. Even after things start happening, even after stuff starts popping off, there are so many instances of things where I'm like, that was like that did not have to happen. There were mm-hmm. like you you had so many different avenues to not be in this shitty situation that you're in, but here you are. Yeah. And yet here we are. And then to be surprised that there's a Confederate flag tattered and waving in the wind when you arrive. Mm-hmm. Where do you think you are? <laughs> like this is not. You're not in Austin, Texas. Like you, <laughs> you, you, you purposefully picked out. You know they they like are kind of meeting these people along the way that I feel like to them they're like oh yeah this is what I imagined when I imagined these like ridiculous southern country folk you know like they're very much acting like that Mm -hmm. and then they get there and they're surprised that maybe some people actually are that way (laughs) that they were kind of like goofing around about and And also oh go ahead well i was just gonna say like i don't necessarily fault dante for like his reaction once we get into like the conversation everything like once we start talking like the black in me understands where he's coming from and like i understand why maybe he might have moved a little irrationally given the circumstances but i feel like that's why mel was supposed to be there in that moment to like kind of at least i don't know bridge this gap here because like she just hit me with the negro and like i cannot fully right. operate right now so i do need you to handle it from to here step in and that's <laughs> the thing yeah like because jenny jenny basically hits him with like i'm not racist i i, I have black friends is basically what jenny says <laughs> she's like i took care of little black kids like you so like you know what's up brother like, we're, the, we're, the, we're, clearly, yeah. <laughs> clearly he's gonna check out of the conversation at that right. point right yeah and so i i think that's what i mean when i say we are uh, with a group of people who are very much expecting a specific sort of person. That is why we see they are expecting these people to be the most, you know, stereotypical country people that they'll come across. Mm-hmm. We see that with every interaction that they have going up to the town. And so I just I think it's more so just I I completely understand that where he's coming from because that situation sucks i think i'm just more confused on why he is so surprised when that actually happened Mm -hmm. you expected these people to be a specific sort of way then you are finally faced with that sort of way and although you are you are yes totally valid in your anger i think it was more so they play them i i just felt like they played them off like all of a sudden they were confused that they were being faced with racism and not in a oh fuck i expected this okay now we have to deal with it it's more so like they are all taken aback by this except for lila lila's like oh you guys should see this Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, maybe that's the whole point is that Lila is a more realistic version of this. But it's like, OK, either they are 
going to assume everybody is that same way or they are going to go into it with ha ha and he he's and then be surprised by it but they're both and i feel like them being both is what is confusing that's but that's the thing that's what i was talking about in the beginning too though is like these characters the way that they're framed up there are several moments where it's like hard to really side with them because like mel's little outburst towards towards richter when they when he first pops up like i get it but also petty as hell to just be saying that shit out a lot like you are clearly picking a fight with this guy right and then with the with the cop sequence as well like we're making these assumptions in the moment based on things on our preconceived notions but what the movie does a lot is same with like richter um when we see like he's got a couple layers to him and he becomes helpful later on and so like a lot of this movie is i feel like our group plus us the viewers having our preconceived notions about these people and then going into this place thinking that we know everything and that we know how this shit goes and then us you know getting sawed in half because we didn't necessarily look at all the different angles of this thing I feel the way the plot unfolds a lot throughout this, it just makes me, again, side with Leatherface and the town, um, which, again, could be intentional because, right. like I said, we're talking about gentrification here. We're talking about pushing people out of their space, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it's very much, like I said, it's, it's still working t- with that whole, like, urban versus rural divide and how those clash and how um each per- like each side perceives each other right but i do think that they could have allotted themselves a little bit more time for us to see our characters just be as a group because it feels like everything our characters do is very outside of them it's like now we're dealing with this character now we've got to go and figure out the deed now we got to deal with the bank I, I we never get to see them exist as just a friend group and just kind of see them operate in that way and i feel like sometimes that's what's missing for me here is even if they're meant to be kind of caricatures the obvious portrayals of this type of um generation or what have you i do wish we got maybe just a couple more moments of them where it wasn't just about let's go in there and fix up this town you know i I just wish we got a little bit more of something else with them because i do think we could have seen more of them because really by the at the end of the day i don't know anything about anybody besides one specific like dante is dante doesn't have the deed that's all i know about dante lila got shot that's all i know about lila and mel is once a better world i guess so which i i mean that's the uh, mel is probably the character we we learn the most about um throughout and do we though like, do we I, really? I feel like Mel is the character we spend the most. We we time spend in. the most time with her. I'm just thinking, like, I'm trying to look back about things that I learned about Mel, and I'm drawing blanks. Quite frankly, <laughs> I think for me, a lot of it boils down to the fact that, like, not just our group, but I think most of the time when we're dealing with these gentrific or these gentrification energies, 
Um, a lot of it's like looking down on the people who are already there or like, again, feeling like you know what's up and like what's right for this place or these people. And that's not always the case. And so like once we move in here, we get the whole dispute. And then um, I think her name's Virginia, who who's the yeah. mom. Like once once she passes, um, I will say this is when we get into what I consider the good of this movie, and that's Leatherface. Like, once we resurrect Leatherface, and he is back with his rage and his power and everything, I'm on board. And I'm kind of on board every time he's on screen going after somebody. Um, especially in the first sequence, I think the first kill is still my favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Him breaking that guy's hand then stabbing him with the expo- with the with like the the bones from his wrist and then having him shoot the other cop come on now that that scene was mwah, beautiful that scene, yeah that whole sequence to me is a highlight of this film it feels the it that's the kind of stuff that i want to see from this type of a movie and so i feel like they nail it in this scene in the sense of yeah i love the how the cops get taken out. I love the reemergence of I'm Leatherface, where he puts on the where he like holds up her face mm-hmm. and then and then he I think even the whole thing with Dante's girlfriend, what is her name? Ruth. I can't keep calling her that Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Ruth. Uh, the whole thing with Ruth, I liked that as well, how she kind of doesn't know if it's best to just play dead or if she should try and run or, mm-hmm. and I, I think the way that she gets killed is great. And then when he like pops up out of the, <laughs> when he pops up out of the field and he's wearing the mask, I love that shit. I think that that, I think that that is so great. Yeah. And so this whole sequence to me feels the most like Leatherface and it, I think that the way that it plays out is the, one of the scarier sequences to me because I feel like I can really I could really imagine myself in Ruth's position because I feel like for her specifically, her situation is the most unfortunate in the sense of she was just trying to help. Yeah. She kind of really got stuck in this situation. She didn't really put herself there. She just kind of got stuck there, whereas... Dante, like, why did you break back into the house? I, I want to feel bad for you, but you didn't have the deed. And why did mm-hmm. you break back into the house? You knew because at that point he knew he didn't have it. He tried yeah. to make up excuses like, oh, maybe it's at the office. Why would it be at the office? And then they went back into the house. And so I'm like, uh, it sucks that you died, but I don't feel for you in the same way that I feel like Ruth really just got stuck in a city in a shitty place no that's that's very true but that whole sequence is phenomenal um i will say i did think that ruth's actual death was the weakest point of Mm. that sequence um her death wasn't terrible i just after all of that setup i was expecting something a little bit more like i thought maybe we'd have like uh like crawling through the the sunflower field or like something like a little bit extra chase like i thought there'd be maybe like 60 more seconds before um we we killed her but he leatherface actually goes pretty pretty standard fare with hers and just mm-hmm. guts her um yeah i think that's why it gets to me though because i 
I think it's such a slow death, which mm. is different from what Leatherface normally does. He's pretty quick uh, with the way that he will take people out. I mean, it doesn't mean they die right away, but usually he's pretty like hack and slash. And mm -hmm. I don't know, something about him just taking a piece of glass and driving it all the way across, across. her stomach yeah. was pretty rough for me mm -hmm. that's i you know i hear you there i hear you there. and it was the single tear the single tear oh, after that, tear. that tear was um, great that was a great little extra too that really mm -hmm. sold it i agree with you i know she looked at that playback and she was like damn i'm good <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i do give it up for the movie and the effects of a lot of the kills i was impressed by the brutality of things now, yeah. there are some kills in there that I think were silly and didn't make sense, but even those that I didn't like conceptually, I still enjoyed them visually. I do think mm -hmm. that across the board, like the blood effects and like the gore effects, all that stuff was really well done. And that's important, I think, in a Texas Chainsaw movie. Like when you're in this franchise, you're expecting some gritty, some gritty violence. Mm hmm. Yeah. And we definitely got that. I, I agree. Yeah. Because Dante's death, like I said, uh, his makeup afterwards is so really good. cool. Super like, good. The bottom part of his face on one side kind of fall, flapping off. Mm -hmm. like, stuff like that is, is very is very good. So and I will say, even though his actual like attack scene wasn't my favorite i did love the way that it was shot with the swinging door mm -hmm. and you like see bits and pieces of it i yeah. thought that was cool so i will say there are some some really cool moments because i think even the scene with richter when he comes in and mel like tilts the mirror mm -hmm. so that he can see leatherface like little things like that are very clever and i do think help to give the movie some imagery that is memorable it it feels different and it fits into the movie and it's enough where it stands out where i think okay i'll remember that that's from 2022 yeah you know what i mean and i dude the richter sequence was pretty dope when his leg yeah. goes the opposite direction ooh, i wince every time because <laughs> that looks so brutal and then the finisher with the with the head smashing with the hammer. Oh, mm -hmm. my God. Yeah. Richter gets fucked up. Um, mm -hmm. Though he puts up a fight, though. He really does put up does. a solid fight. I commend him for that. You know, good shit. Good shit, my guy. Yeah. Um, and he even has the wherewithal in his dying breath to give Mel the, the keys. keys. I know. I do really like that. I do like that he tries to give. I mean, he does, but I do like that he remembers that he has them mm -hmm. and is like, I ain't going to make it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but maybe you can. You can. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, that's that's it. Yeah, because Mel and Richter, I think out of everybody, do not get along, have mm -hmm. not gotten along since they met and are consistently yeah. batting heads. And so I kind of like that it's them who have that switch off where it's like even though they had these differences and these opposing beliefs and ideals he's still like i really fucking hope that you make it mm -hmm. and like tries to help her in whatever way he can yeah but yeah he gets fucked up he, he do get fucked up and then while we're on the topic of brutality i would like to ask how you felt about the bus sequence <laughs> here's the thing 
The bus sequence is ridiculous, but I love it. it. But I love it. I know that it shouldn't be. Mm. I know that it should be not loved, but Mm. I love it. I just think it's so off the wall that it works for me. And it works because, A, we're still in a confined space. We're not... So it makes sense that he's just able to kind of plow through everybody. And I don't know. It's just a great moment where there can be this huge bloodbath for absolutely no reason. Mm -hmm. um, Because it did not need to happen by any means. I do. I do chuckle. I'm not going to lie. When he first comes on the bus and everybody raises their phone. It's a funny moment. It's a funny moment. I don't love that. He says, like, do anything and you're canceled, bro. I think that was one step too far. (laughs) I think the phones coming up was a much better gag Uh than even needing to say anything. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I love the bus scene in its pure, messy chaos because I any chance we get to up Leatherface's kill count... Uh I'm always going to root for, and it makes much more sense to me than that stupid um, fairground scene they did in that Leatherface that has Trey songs in it. Which one is that? (laughs) Um, Texas Chainsaw, (laughs) like 3D or whatever, Mm -hmm. also has like a thing where they try and bring Leatherface out to kill a like out and he's trying to kill people out out and about, and it didn't make any sense to me. Look, Trey... As ridiculous as this movie is, nothing will ever be as fucking weird as Trey Songs being in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie while Bottoms Up is playing in the background of the scene. <laughs> Don't disrespect me like that. Don't disrespect me like that. Nothing will ever be worse than that. And you guys know it's true. And you have to admit that. That No, that's that's true. But for me, I still I still have a hard time with a bus scene. Um, now I've I've already been on record saying that I'm not a huge fan of the scene. I do enjoy it conceptually. Mm-hmm. I like the, I like this idea that you're trapped in this small space with Leatherface. There's nowhere to go, and you just have to slowly watch as people in front of you one by one are getting massacred until it's your turn. I think that that's a great idea. What bothers me so so much about the bus scene i think is the possible potential because like one i'm not a huge fan of necessarily the way it was shot like i feel like we spent too much time um on people just banging against the the outside of the of the bus clearly not attempting to exit said bus um i liked every time we cut back and he was like you know sawing somebody in half or like slicing a body part off or like all, all that stuff is great. It's just very distracting for me when the characters and or the extras have clear lines of survival that they don't use. It mm-hmm. just it infuriates me. The biggest the biggest offender of that being at the Catherine. end with Catherine when she goes to the window, yeah. opens the fucking window and starts going out before being sawed in half, letting me know that oh, so we could open these windows. Y'all was just playing games. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but you juked him out. Run to the front of the bus and go through the doors that are already open. Why would you climb? You already passed him. 
because that was the battle, right? It was just getting past him. Yes. You already got past him. That's he's not blocking <laughs> the exit anymore. Please follow the arrows to the emergency exit and, and leave calmly. Like, don't climb through the window. But all that being said, I I will admit the second time around, I actually liked it more than the mm. first time. Maybe it's because like I checked my expectations going into it. Mm. Um, but I think for me, it would have been a very easy fix. Would have made it a lot better is if we had gotten Mel and Lila into the bathroom sooner so that there was more of a struggle between them allowing more people in there to be safe mm -hmm. um, while the massacre is happening versus just watching a bunch of people standing around waiting to get massacred. I think maybe if we had a little bit more back and forth from different places within the bus, not necessarily on the outside, but just like different emotional stakes for different characters, I think would have elevated that wow. scene to be more than just Look at all these cool effects that we can do with Leatherface, um, which is what it kind of boils down for me, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but for everybody out there who loves that scene, who thinks that sequence is great, I get you. Like, I, I do. It's for me, personal preference. It, it I, I just want a little bit more. It was good. Yeah. I just wanted great. And I feel like that sequence could have been absolutely great. And it was just missing an ingredient or two. Okay. That's fair. Um. Yeah, there's always these weird moments in this movie where things start off really well. And then I feel like I don't know if they just didn't know where they wanted it to go or they couldn't figure out like a button to it. But things will start off really strong. And then for me, they get go downhill as mm -hmm. the scene goes along. Another example for me is Mel when she's hiding in the house mm -hmm. and she gets up and she's working her way down the stairs. And I will say Mel is a smart character i do think that the choices that she makes are smart um for the most part especially in this scene like she's doing her best to stay quiet what have you it seems like it's working why did leatherface throw that at her like the <laughs> the fact what did he throw at her like an axe or something it was like that like a hammer like whatever hammer. he beat uh richter with i think he chucked it at her he throws a hammer at her speed 200 miles per hour that thing is zooming it hits her square in the chest and mel like <laughs> gets flung backwards onto the floor or through the floor i'm sorry mm -hmm. but it didn't seem like it hurt her as much as i feel like that should have now granted she didn't get struck with the metal part she got struck by the handle but still i'm not even kidding when i said this man through with the speed of a thousand suns he, and he was looking a little like her, thor for a second it hit her straight in the chest and she's like okay the 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 crawling through the floor thing is fine like i i didn't mind that but then when lila gets her out and they leave that chase scene felt so fucking slow to me like mm -hmm. when they were running through the street i was like why does this feel like it's like slowing the pace down and then well, they get on the bus i think it's because leatherface wasn't actively chasing them during it it was just right. them just running through the rain trying to get back to the bus like we it felt like it was missing the chasing element of it right and then we're on a bus and we watch this bus drive away at five miles per hour mm -hmm. um, also did he <laughs> pop the tires is that what we're supposed to assume because that's the only that is the only that is the only excuse I'm giving this bus driver for why he's so 
adamantly had to go outside to go check. Which also was a little bit irritating to me that neither Mel nor Catherine said to the bus driver, people are dead. There is someone out there chasing us. Step on it. Because Mm -hmm. obviously this man didn't know what was going on. That's why he brazenly left the bus. And also, that's why he probably started the bus up and started driving like he was about to make a stop for pickup (laughs) because he didn't know that there was an immediate need to leave. And I understand not wanting to cause a panic, but at least give people a little bit of a heads up. Everybody's still having a party on the bus while there is a seven foot eight skin face wearing man with a chainsaw outside. (laughs) Just give people a little bit of a heads up so they can prepare to even just fight back. Like, Mm -hmm. give us some time to fight back. (laughs) Yeah. But um, we need to get to the real, (laughs) the real um, skinned elephant in the room, if you will. Because this is the thing that does, in fact, upset me. Oh, you talk about old girl Sally? Are returning our legacy. Yes. I've never legacy. seen this idea before in a movie ever, Sally. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about her. First time it's ever been done. They bring a past character back. Now, I will say this is a new actress. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it it's still Sally. It's still the same Sally. However, unfortunately, um, the original actress had already passed away. Um, and so, like, they had... But they, I assume... They had maybe been debating about bringing Sally back for a while and still just wanted to do it in this movie, especially because it had been done successfully now. Mm-hmm. We've seen we've seen characters come back and it works. First of all, first thing that pissed me off, why they play that triumphant music when we see Sally for the first time? Why they <laughs> put that triumphant score underneath her? Um, because that was not the reveal that they thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It was not mm-hmm. the moment that I think they <laughs> thought it was going to be. And then Sally gets into the van and they do that thing where she's like looking at that picture of her and her old friends and they do the like the laugh ghost, track, the ghost <laughs> laughter. But it's too much. Like yeah. it's so much laughter. Like someone just told the funniest fucking joke you've ever heard. That's how much laughter it was when she looks at this picture. Uh, that just sounded like, like stock laughter to <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God. But the thing about Sally is Sally is not inherently tied to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series the same way that Laurie Strode or Sidney Prescott are tied to their franchises. Right. Those characters are connected to the killer they are connected to the story and continue to be so no matter how many movies are being made even in movies that are not technically in the timeline in the same timeline in halloween they're still bringing up laurie strode can't keep her name out their mouths like Mm -hmm. she's all up and through there sydney is all up and through there sally is not because she's just a survivor she's just a survivor just like every final like girl that we get after that is just a survivor. Um Leatherface is not checking for Sally. Leatherface doesn't even recognize her <laughs> when she steps in on the scene. He really looked at her like, 
who are you? Have we and met? <laughs> why are you in my room? And that's embarrassing. I, I hate that they make it seem like Sally. Why would Sally think? <laughs> why would Sally think that Leatherface gives a fuck about her? And I mean that with no disrespect. But <laughs> why would she think that he would acknowledge her? Or what did she want him to do? Apologize? Yeah. Her, her moves were questionable at best. I, you know, I can understand after what was done to the character holding that for the rest of her life, the Lori Strode syndrome. I, I understand the character having that. However, it like you said, it doesn't work the same way here, especially because like Leatherface outside of this specific revenge sequence doesn't have that same level of like malicious planning or intent behind what he's doing. Like mm -hmm. he was being ordered around to slaughter people before and now he's doing it because, you know, he's pissed off. But like her her connection to him is so one sided in the fact that like she is holding this for her entire life and he does not give a fuck. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is the movie even knows that with his reaction to her and like every, every interaction that they have is very much like, I hate you for what you did to me. And him being like, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. And that energy makes me as the viewer think, well, why did we even add this in here anyway? Like, if he doesn't give a fuck about her being alive still or any of the things that happened between them, then why bring her up? Just leave why? her out of the movie. Why even bring her here? Because imagine if we didn't have Sally in there. That is 10 minutes we could have spent with our main characters mm -hmm. to, to do something with them. Sally shows up on the scene like a scorned ex to say, hey, remember me? I'm thriving now and look at you old and broke or whatever, <laughs> you know, that's how she rolls up on the scene, but it just doesn't track for me. The last we saw of Sally, she was losing her mind. Like that was the mm. last time we saw her flash forward. We find out that she has become a ranger and she stayed in Texas to try and find Leatherface. So y'all share a zip code and you can't find him because he wore a mask. Okay, cool. Whatever. He is only seven foot eight tall. You you recognize that silhouette. <laughs> you know, him you know when what you I mean? See him. <laughs> you will recognize that silhouette. I understand he's been hidden in this orphanage, but we do realize that the police know Virginia. They have met Virginia. They recognize Virginia. You tell me Sally never rolled up to the orphanage just to check it out. I, I just imagine she would see that silhouette and she'd think, yeah, yeah. That's, That's who guy. I saw dancing. That's who I saw dancing in the streets <laughs> when I left, when I escaped. But even more so than that, Sally finally sees him and wastes her opportunity. Which I, I hate. I hate that bedroom scene so much. It just makes me so upset. Because even, even if we take everything that we have just talked shit about as truth, even if she has all of these motivations, why would she not just shoot? Why would she not shoot first and monologue yeah. after? I don't get it. 
I don't understand. Like, <laughs> so bad. especially because Leatherface is like literally chilling on his bed. He's taking a breather. He's relaxing. <laughs> and that's the perfect time to get some shots in. And instead, yeah, she has to say, do you remember them? Franklin. <laughs> like, no, he doesn't even remember you. <laughs> Why did he? You think he's those are the only people he's ever killed in his life? Franklin, he didn't know their names when he <laughs> killed them. So why are you saying them like they mean something? Maybe be like, do you remember the guy in the wheelchair? Do you remember the girl, <laughs> the blonde girl? Like give him some descriptions. But so even and so aside from that, she's having her little situation. What also makes me upset is because Sally is a survivor uh, narrowly by the skin of her teeth. Did she escape a harrowing situation? The fact that she now knows where Leatherface is. She's got this man's address. She's got the pinpoint on the GPS. Why wouldn't you at least get these kids to safety and then come back? Mm -hmm. At least give them the keys to your car. At least give them something. Yeah, be Lock like, y'all go off on your own. I'll handle this. Like... This is because this is not their they're they're not trying to get revenge. They're just trying to survive to just lock them in the car and say, oh, well, he's after you. So you have to stay in here. But why? Because if you're going to go up to the bedroom anyway, why are you using them as bait outside if you were going to meet him at his door anyway and then leave them locked up with nowhere to go? When you know this might be a scuffle, like you don't know, you don't, you're like, yeah, Leatherface is older, but you are too. And you're not trained by any means to fight him. Mm -hmm. Like you hope that you can take him out. And it's just felt so odd to me for her to risk other people's safety for this revenge plot that she right. has been sitting on. It just felt... I don't want to root for her yeah. at all in this movie. Not in the way that I want to root for the, like her younger self. Mm -hmm. And so when she dies immediately, <laughs> when <laughs> Leatherface saws her abdomen all the way up. Which was fun. I, which was I, fun. I, one of those instances again where I think the situation and the circumstances of that kill are silly. But the actual kill itself, pretty cool. I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, the cool the kill is cool. I'm glad that it was the chainsaw, but it's like so you really brought Sally back for her to monologue, betray our new main characters, and get killed by Leatherface. And like, yeah, she gets some shots off later, but then and that could have been cool, right? She she helps out by like she has a last little I'm not yeah. dead bitch and and shoots him <laughs> and she does hurt him, but then she soils it. Because then she says some dumb shit to Lila where she's like, don't run. He'll haunt you forever. Bitch, the way I would have been gone, <laughs> I'd have been like, Sally, why would I take advice from you? Yeah. I'm out of here. I don't care if he haunts me. At least I'll be alive to be haunted. Like, I'll get therapy. I'll be, I'll get better help. I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm going to go get my sister. And, or I'll even do the work. I'll, I'll put the work in to, to get through this. And I also don't understand why Lila didn't just go let Mel, help Mel out of the car and then go for Leatherface. Why are people acting like this man is about to teleport if they don't hurry up and chase him now? Yeah. He lives here. <laughs> <laughs> this is his home. <laughs> He's not leaving. 
Yeah, all dude, all that is just so frustrating. And then e even in the last section too, one, I'm skating over the fact that he just eats bullets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and doesn't care. <laughs> I, I've <laughs> seen other villains do that and have cared less, so I'm not gonna make a big deal about that here. However, I wished the final confrontation felt better. Because for me, it feels very lackluster. All of the elements to me just didn't like, did not a good final battle make. Like the, I guess the setting of it's kind of cool, but then I feel like you spend a lot of it just in the water. And then you spend a lot of it at from the Lila POV of just being dazed and like having war mm -hmm. flashbacks and all that stuff. And then you have Mel come in and uppercut this man with a chainsaw. One of the most important notes in this notebook right now is towards this movie. And it is, of all the things you could have done with the chainsaw, you <laughs> picked uppercut. That was the button you press on the controller? Out of all the options that you could have picked that would have for sure solidified this man's death, you decide you wanted to lightly tap him on the chin so that he can fall in the water. Mm -hmm. Oh, the way that shit got me stressed and pressed. I was mm -hmm. so annoyed by that. It's just like, Mel, I was just starting to like you. Like, you were just starting to get on my good side, and then you pulled that move. Like, come on. Common sense. Yeah. Common sense, my survivors. It's a chainsaw. It's a chainsaw. It's a chainsaw. Fucking go you for know, his kneecaps. You don't even have yeah. to hit him in the chest. Just do something yeah. more effective. You know what chainsaws do really well? Saw. <laughs> <laughs> that that would have been really good. But no, yeah, she knocks him out basically into the water and he like f just slowly sinks into the water, into his swamp like he's Shrek. <laughs> and everyone's like, great, he drowned. Um, but also they take their time <laughs> to leave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. It's there. There's something missing about that end bit it, it feels like we haven't quite earned what we get yeah um i i understand what they were doing with lila and i understand i i get the idea of like okay yeah if you don't face this it's gonna i guess that for her maybe that means something a little bit differently because she has been haunted by the the shooting mm -hmm. the school shooting has been haunting her and so maybe she's like oh i don't want another thing that's gonna beyond like that is just going to play in my mind but i'm sorry at this point it's always going to haunt you whether he's alive or dead all of everybody else is dead too mm -hmm. that is going to haunt you and it kind of irks me how after everything that happened lila and mel get into the car and they're he he and and ha ha and, and like telling jokes mm -hmm. like <laughs> like they didn't almost just 20 watch people didn't just get yeah. <laughs> like those people didn't die um but there's I, I I don't I don't dislike the setting that we have for the final fight. It's not like my favorite um, because I do think they have a lot of this town that we really only get to see three buildings of like we only mm -hmm. get to go inside three of the buildings i almost wanted like a little bit of a chase through all of them i thought would have been really cool maybe and to get a couple more locations but i just think it's this this feeling of 
there's this triumph that Lila and Mel both have that didn't quite feel earned to me. Um, and so I didn't feel that like, yes, they're doing it. They're standing up as much as I wanted to. And yeah, I do think Lila feels at times like, although it feels like she is meant to be taking the initiative, it does feel at times that she kind of gets like pushed to the wayside and then gets lucky. And it feels like it should be like, oh yeah, she got him. But I didn't ever feel that. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, I never felt like, yeah, you, yeah, this is that moment. Well, um, there's, so this may be a bit of a hot take on the Lila character and kind of her plot, but something that still bugs me, it bugged me the first time and it bugged me this time too, is so we have this character that is representing somebody who's a survivor of a very tragic thing that we, at least in the States, are at this point way too familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. And so it feels like at the end, it's like this idea of like, okay, I'm given a similar situation here where I feel helpless, I feel powerless, but instead of just laying there, I'm going to get up and do something and be proactive and fight and like have survival instinct, etc. I'm okay with that sort of a journey plot wise for a character. But what irritates me or I don't know, confuse irritates, just bothers me about the Lila character is her infatuation with guns, the entirety of the movie. Mm. Like, she's so interested in them, like, from the moment that she gets the gun with Richter. Yeah, she does have a bit of PTSD with it when she's actually holding it. But she has this, like, weird-ass interest in all of the guns. And then at the end, she uses a shotgun to take down Leatherface. And I'm just confused at what the message here we're trying to send is. Where, like, mm -hmm. we have this shooting survivor who manages to triumph in this really dark shitty situation by using guns like i i feel like that plot point was so prevalent and so important to the story but i feel like the character's growth and change in regard to that specific subject doesn't match up with what they actually do in the end yeah, well, I, I guess to me, it always felt like I didn't take it as like she had a fascination with guns. I took it more as like she had a fixation that it was like when she saw it, she couldn't look anywhere else because it was like, that's a gun. That's a gun. That's a gun. And it's almost and it almost felt like, OK, maybe I'm OK. Maybe I can be OK with this. But like, you're not. You're, mm -hmm. you're not it's not you're not okay with it and that's fine you don't have to you shouldn't you know you don't force yourself to try and like overcome this fear of them or anything i that's i guess what i took it as is she just it was more of like a when it was in front of her it was the only thing that she could see yeah. but i just don't think it was uh, but that's what i mean I, lila has so much like going on that it felt like we never explored it was like we never touched on we touched the bare minimum of her ptsd like mm -hmm. we barely scratched the surface so that's why it's like you don't really understand her relationship with like why what is she trying to do in this situation is she trying to overcome this like fear that she has of them now or is it just that she can't 
think of anything else or focus on anything else because when she looks at that she's like you know she's like taken back to that moment right. or but and also too how the fuck does she know how to use a shotgun right i, I mean but, but even, how does she know how to use a shotgun but, all but even time? that even even that being there too and like i hear you with a fixation too it still for me seems weird that we have a character who gun violence is such a prevalent part of their life their triumphant moment is with a gun like i i just feel like that was misplaced like if anything let her do the fucking chainsaw uppercut yeah i was just about to say i think they should have just flipped it i think mel should have used the gun and i think lila should have used the chainsaw because i feel like it would have been a cool a, a cool example i feel like they had already done that where like lila tried to come out and like use the gun to shoot Leatherface and the gun didn't work. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that could have been her time where she was like, all right, I'm going to use this thing and like, I'm going to take this back this moment and then it didn't work. And then I feel like it would have been nice to see her use a different weapon to like prevail and, and still have that. Like I beat my demons, but I didn't beat my demons by using the same weapon that like hurt me. I feel like that would have worked better for her. And then for Mel to just be like, even though I even though I hate guns, I am going to get over that to protect my sister yeah. because that's her whole thing, right? It's like she wants to protect her sister. And so I feel like it would have made sense for her to be like, uh, even if we saw a moment of like her hesitating to pick it up and then like she saw Lila in trouble, she picks it up, she shoots until she's out of bullets and then Lila comes in with the chainsaw. That would have made way more sense to me than yeah. what actually happens because I'm like, why is this? I just, what? like, yeah, What's it's just, going the, on? I, this whole, again, the whole notion of, like, a shooting survivor going Rambo mode on Leatherface, to me, just does not track. And I feel like that, along with a lot of other points in this movie, there are setups to things that I think we don't we don't ever actually get payoff for. So that's yeah. why I think, like, by the time we hit the end, once they've won and they've triumphed, it feels kind of hollow because, like what was the journey like the right. ju- the only journey we saw was them piss off leatherface and then narrowly survive him but like what journey did they go on like mm-hmm. what what changed in them outside of maybe their closer siblings now i don't feel like we got that and i think it's a combination of a lot of things from the what you're talking about we don't get to spend enough time with them as a group to just the way that things are sequenced like we don't get enough time to see how these characters fully change we just see them survive kind of because right. mel doesn't even make it so like right mel which i mean i like i like so they get in the car like i said they're taking their time they set the autopilot to home which i'm like that already got me pressed <laughs> come on texas chainsaw but yeah they get in the car and they're like i said they're hee hee and ha ha and like they didn't just go through the most fucked up shit they've ever experienced. And then, yeah, Mel gets grabbed at the last minute. And so it's kind of a play on the last scene from the original mm-hmm. where it's like the our final girl screaming and crying in a car as it drives off and Leatherface doing his little dancey dance in the street. Um, and he cha- like cuts off Mel's head and is like dancing around with him. <laughs> it's... it's <laughs> I don't know it's funny but i didn't i like it i'm not gonna lie like i think the first time i saw it it was 
it didn't do too much for me, but actually upon a rewatch, I like it a lot more because I think it is really cool, striking imagery. I appreciate it being an homage to the first whilst still differentiating itself because the decapitation and that is something new and kind of seeing him swing the head and the chainsaw. And as a last gotcha moment, I actually feel like it has pretty successful, um, especially because, like I said, I did feel like Mel was really gearing up to be the final girl. So yeah, I, I love that mm-hmm. this is our last 10 seconds because I do actually feel like it is a strong final final bit and so yeah i appreciate this any more than i did before and i also like this feeling that you really get whereas in the first one it's leatherface being frustrated that someone has gotten away but then in this one it feels almost like a celebration it feels like leatherface is just happy that he got this final person and it almost feels like mel was that final person who had kind of fucked everything up for him and i don't know it feels like he's celebrating with his trophy and so i i do like flipping that on its head because like i said this is a different version of leatherface and a different reasoning for his killings and so i do actually think that this works but i do know that that autopilot ride back was probably awkward as hell (laughs) so if you think about that it is kind of funny but if you don't think about that then you will feel then you'll feel bad then you'll feel you'll feel worse (laughs) <laughs> and then there is a uh like post credit scene yeah which i missed the first time i didn't actually know that there was one yeah i it's just um him walking back to the farmhouse and literally it is two seconds long um <laughs> also to that blue font who chose that that blue <laughs> font during the end credits that was fucking with my eyes i don't know if it was messing with yours but i was like this is really really hard to look at <laughs> No, I didn't feel that. That oh. may just that be a, maybe an Ericism. That might be a me thing. I do think it's time for an eye appointment probably fairly <laughs> soon. But I don't know. Something about it. I was like, ooh, I can't look at this. Like I even that was I wrote a note about it. I said the blue font and then I put a sad face. So like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm upset. I, will, I will admit, though, this time around, I skipped over the credits just to check if there was a post credits uh, screen. I let the credits roll because I did not think they were I didn't know how long they were going to be. They were pretty long. But uh, which is not to say don't watch the credits because it is not it is oh, nice yeah. to watch, watch the, the credits, credits. and thank them. everybody and like you know give give everybody who worked on it their props. The only reason I was salty about it was because I let the credits roll for like a minute the first time when I was watching it. And then I exited out of it because I forgot there was a post-credit scene and I went, fuck. And so I went and pressed play thinking it would pick up from where it ended and it picked up from the beginning of the movie. So mm. then I had to fast forward all the way through. Just and then to I watch was, some more credits. Yes, because I was worried that I was going to miss the end scene because I was like, if I fast forward too far, it's going to do the same shit again. And I'm glad I did that anyway, though, because like I said, it's like a three second scene. I probably would have accidentally fast forwarded all the way through it. Right. And then it would have been like, start from beginning. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's basically everything. Yeah, um, I think I aired out most of my grievances. I, I feel 
I'm feeling a little bit lighter. Like, I feel like a weight has been lifted off of my shoulders, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And I'm I'm glad. I'm glad we got to talk about it. Um, my last thing that I guess that I will say is Leatherface in this movie, although he's old, is still scary to me. I mm-hmm. still feel like he's, like, still pretty in top form. Um, and there's something about this Leatherface that feels much more... He feels much more like the Leatherface of like the 2003, I think it is, remake. He, where he just feels like very capable, very much about his business. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm making these decisions all on my own. What are you going to say about it? And that's, that shit scares me. Although like 1974 Leatherface scares me too. But I think that one's because he's a little bit more like free yeah. <laughs> i don't know something about the freedom that <laughs> 1974 leatherface has that like almost childlike like uh i love killing people i don't know something <laughs> about that freaks me out as well but yeah this leatherface is particularly brutal mm-hmm. um which works despite his how old he is technically supposed to be <laughs> true true but all right in that case all that leaves is for us to rate this bad boy and mm-hmm. i'm curious what you might be thinking for our metric for this week. Um, we could do Texas bus massacres. Texas bus mar- massacres. Bloody barbecues. Uh, bloody barbecues. We could do skin face masks. But we might want to use that later. <laughs> Oddly enough, that may be a reusable one. It probably is. It probably will be reusable, to be fair. Chainsaw corkscrews? Chainsaw corkscrews? I feel like we wouldn't use that again. Yeah. I feel like that might be, because I was like, bloody barbecues we might also use Maybe. again. Maybe. That's very but true. I, I, I think chainsaw corkscrews would be a, is a new one. Okay. Okay. Or, should, or corks, corkscrew chainsaws? or Corkscrew chainsaw? No, chainsaw corkscrews. Okay. 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 All right. Chainsaw corkscrews it is. <laughs> So I will go first. I'm thinking of, of similarly to my scare scale, I'm thinking a three out of five uh, okay. chainsaw corkscrews. Because to me, like, is this the best Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie? No. But I really don't think it's the worst either. <laughs> like, I really mm-hmm. don't. I mean, we are dealing with a franchise that is so up and down, so up and down and not always consistent and i feel like what i do appreciate about this movie i do really appreciate like i said there are some cool sequences there's some cool shots i still like the leather face of this movie um what and and it's not a bad way to spend time like i remember the first time i watched this i was like i'm not mad that i spent my time watching that because i think the gore and a lot of the moments feel kind of like pretty standard slasher fare which i know is not always what you go to this series for but i was not mad about that because like sometimes i do just kind of want want that um so i wasn't i i was i was pretty pleased i will say after like after i watched it the first time but upon a rewatch i think i liked it less than i did the first time um and i think that's just because their texas chainsaw massacre always has some themes that they're dealing with but they just feel so apparent and on the nose in this one there's like no weaving it in in the background it's just like Mm -hmm. this is what it is do you get it and you're like yes (laughs) i get it thank you um the characters 
we just i wanted to spend more time with the characters we're dealing with cut sally all the way out she does not Mm -hmm. need to be here i didn't want i didn't want to invite her to the party and the fact that she showed up legitimately pissed me off so (laughs) cut sally out and spend more time on our main characters so that by the time we get to the end i feel something because at the end of this movie i really don't feel very much about our characters i'm not super excited when they win um and i just have a little bit of a hard time connecting to them and some of the moments and some of the dialogue because i just feels like a lot of this movie is kind of banking on the successes of other things, movies that had come out around this time or a little bit earlier. But this one to me didn't update as well as those other ones did. So okay. three out of five, it's just I, I, chainsaw corkscrews. Cause I, it's right in the middle for me. I'm not mad at it, but I didn't love it either. Okay. All right. Um, So I think I may actually surprise you here because I also am going to give it three out of five chainsaw corkscrews or corkscrew chainsaws. Which one did we say? I forgot already. Chainsaw corkscrews. Okay, cool. Chainsaw (laughs) corkscrews. As far as this one goes, I don't really have too much left to say, but I will say the first time I watched this film, I remember heavily disliking it and watching it again. It wasn't as bad as I remember. I will fully admit that. Um, However, I do still think that this movie is completely carried by Leatherface and Mm -hmm. a lot of the violence and brutality. And in that regard, I do think that they hit it out of the park. Like, I do think that this Leatherface is doing the damn thing. And I do think that a lot of the effects for the gore, a lot of the kills and a lot of the sequences are actually pretty dope. It's just the actual story to me was rather bland. The group that we are following is, for me, a pain to follow. And so, like, (laughs) I emotionally check out when I watch them. Um, But I enjoy watching Leatherface Rampage enough that watching this movie doesn't feel like a chore. Like, it does, despite its length, feel pretty brisky in a lot of places. And, like, when I when I went back to watch it another time, it didn't feel like, like you said, it didn't feel like wasted time. It just Mm -hmm. felt like I wanted more from what I got. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it's the worst movie ever. Um, I know I've talked a lot of, a lot of mess about this when I bashed it, but I think that even if you don't end up liking it, it is still in the worth checking out category. Um, If nothing else, just to see Leatherface having a good time. Um, So I will meet you at a three out of five chainsaw corkscrews. All right. Where there you go, homies. Um, What did you guys think of Texas Chainsaw (laughs) Massacre 2022? I really am dying to know what you guys thought of this one. And I would love to talk to you about it. So if you would like to give us your thoughts, you can always talk to us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you prefer, you can email us. We are homies of horror at gmail.com. Or if you want to get a little bit more in depth and come and chit chat with not only us, but other homies, you could slip into our Discord. Discord is where we hang out all week long talking about horror but also discussing other things as well so if you'd like to come through there and join the conversation you can find the link for that in our social media bios 
And if you're listening to this on Monday, that means that we are streaming on Twitch tonight. Twitch is where we play spooky games, where we talk a little bit more about the movie and where we just kind of hang out and catch up with the homies after the long week. So if you guys would like to come through and say hello through there, then you can also find the link for that in our social media bios. And last, but never least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better. It recommends our show to more listeners. And we just like to hear what you guys are thinking of the show. So if you have an Apple account and haven't done that, we'd love for you to. Or over on Spotify, if you're listening there, you can always just tap the stars underneath our picture to rate us. But... That's it for my pick this month, homies. I hope you enjoyed the conversation because I know that I did. And <laughs> we will be seeing you guys next week. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.